Welcome to Customer Service Academy Radio with author and customer experience expert, Tony Johnson. Tony will share his vision for successful customer service, leadership, and business excellence, and speak to some of the most impactful leaders in business today. And now, here's Tony Johnson. Hello, everybody. Customer Service Academy Radio is on the air. I'm Tony Johnson, Customer Experience Leader, and today's episode is brought to you courtesy of IgniteYourService.com Training and Consulting, and I have a brand new virtual session I'm offering. Not too long ago, I actually did one of these podcast episodes on the Great Service Comeback, and I got a huge response. People wanted to learn so much more about it, so I thought, what a great chance to give back. So if you go to IgniteYourService.com slash masterclass, you can actually get a 30-minute webinar, a seminar, a class, whatever you want to call it, on the Great Service Comeback. And I'm giving you everything I've got. There's even a great free sheet giveaway there that talks about how to operationalize the pieces of the Great Service Comeback, those pieces of safety, of hospitality, of quality, of simplicity. It's a great sheet. It's one I've used for many years. So please go take a look. And here's the best news. I know a lot of times when you visit these sites, you have to give your mother's maiden name, your first pet's name, you know, the street you grew up on, your, your email address, your blood type, all that stuff. I'm not asking for anything. Just visit IgniteYourService.com slash masterclass and you'll get the webinar right there, the masterclass right there, free of charge. And again, you don't have to give me a thing and the sheet is there to download as well. So please check that out today. So, you know, there have been some continuing dramatic shifts and and really recurring themes when it comes to great customer service. And I want to share, I always like to share these nuggets, these tidbits of great service. I was at Dick's Sporting Goods. And if any of you, you know, over over the quarantine period when we were all really stuck at home, really stuck at home, I mean, you know, I, I can remember the gyms were closed. I can remember it, you know, it was hard to get a workout in. And I remember ordering some weights off of the Dick's website. Now, for about 15 minutes online, you could not find anything health and fitness related. You couldn't, you know, buy the little balls you could do crunches on. You couldn't buy weights. You couldn't buy anything for a minute. And so I remember finally being really excited when I saw some weights. And so I bought them. And they showed up, and they were not what I thought they were. I think I had imagined what I thought they were going to be. And so, you know, I tucked them away in the garage, as we all do, and I didn't touch them for a little bit. And I was looking through, you know, the credit card statements, you know, how we're all, you know, just trying to be cognizant of what we're spending money on. And I thought, oh my gosh, those weights are literally still sitting in the back of the garage. So I went and dug them out, put them in my car. Now, I've had these things for several months now. I'm probably long past the, the point at which I should be returning these things. But I threw them in the back of the car and I ran over to Dick's Sporting Goods and I walked in and told them my story. And they didn't give me any hassle at all. It was fantastic. They actually helped me do the return. They processed it. It was very quick and easy. One of the sales associates came out and help me carry the thing in. So it was really a great piece of customer service when I think about if you've ever returned anything and they and someone tried to make it intentionally difficult. Well, I will tell you, Dick Sporting Goods did not do that. So I was really thankful. So shout out to them and, and the tremendous service staff in Lakeland, Florida and the great job they did there. So again, thanks for that. So when we think about what customers are looking for, I'm going to dig in on, on four or five things today. The first thing, and, and we can't forget about these pieces, because I know that we're all thinking about the cleaning, we're all thinking about the social distancing, we're all thinking about the extra kindness and empathy, and I think that's all fantastic, and those have to be baked into our service cake, but we can't forget about what really does drive great service over and over again. And, and the first piece does come back to experience. I remember looking back at Christmas this past year, and you know, back when the world was, was still a little bit normal, more normal than it is now. And I remember asking my nieces what they wanted for Christmas. They both looked at my wife and I and they said, you know what we want? 
we, we want something that we can do together. We want an experience, you know, and I thought that was really cool. And I think a lot of folks these days are not looking for things. They're looking for memories, you know, those opportunities to get those great photographs and to just look back and say that was fun. So we ended up settling on, on a trip to the, to the zoo in Tampa. And it was great. We played with the penguins and did all those kind of things. But I think, you know, if you, if you think about your marketplace, you're going to see a growing emphasis on experiences, on people getting together, on people, you know, I know that they're going to want to be socially distanced and those kind of things, but they're going to want to come together as a group. And, and it could be literally or it could be figuratively, but, but this sense of community is going to continue to be really important. And when you think about experience, remember that it really does come back to a lot of the things we talked about in the Great Service Comeback, but you have to think about everything that surrounds your service experience. So just like when we took our nieces on the weekend getaway, you know, it was about the penguins, it was about the zoo, it was about the time we spent together, it was about the hotel we stayed in, it was about the moments we spent together. Well, that was everything. That was every moment of the experience. It wasn't just about the time that we were interacting with animals. It was about the funnel cakes that we had and the dip and dots and, and all those things. Same is true with your customers. You know, when they walk into your location or visit your website, it's as much about the feeling, you know, the emotion, the connection, the product, how easy is the website. You know, if you're if you're a law firm, doesn't matter how great you are as a law firm, if you don't treat people well or the offices are, you know, hard to find or if they walk in and there's more dust, you know, a, a, an inch thick on your on your windowsills, those kind of things tell a story. You know, if you think about Starbucks and and the experience they evoke when you walk into one of their stores, it's not just about the coffee. There's music and there's great soft seating and they think very very intentionally about what it means to walk into a Starbucks, what the counters look like, what the baristas are dressed like, what the vernacular they use is, how their menu boards are arranged. It all trickles into creating a great experience. And that's so important for every business to remember. The second part is around team experience. And that's something I want to talk about here because I feel like everybody is talking about you know, employee experience. Everybody, it's become the new buzzword out there. And I've spent decades leading teams and I've led teams of up to 500 directly and thousands indirectly. I understand in a, in a very real way what it means to lead teams. And I've made mistakes when I've led people. I haven't been a very good listener sometimes when I've led people. I've paid the price through employee engagement with how I've led people. And over the years, you, you sort of develop this pattern that really works for you and that you find is your authentic, genuine leadership style and doesn't come overnight. And I hear a lot of people who want to talk about employee experience and, and they should be and everybody should be. But I will tell you, it's more than an HR function and it's not something you can learn totally from reading a book. So by all means, read John Maxwell's Five Levels of Leadership or whatever book speaks to you. And, and if you want to learn a lot about leadership, the, the John Maxwell books are fantastic. I can't say enough good things about them, but you've also got to get out there and lead. You've got to get out there and find your own style. And that's where sometimes when I hear people talking about this idea of leading teams, I think, you know, has this person ever led a team? That's the one thing I always wonder. Has this person, you know, ever had to deal with a union? Has this person ever had to, you know, renegotiate a contract with a union? Has this person ever had to, you know, deal with a, a, a work group that maybe was a little bit disgruntled? Or maybe have you ever taken over a piece of business? I've taken over many pieces of businesses where there was a lot of disengaged employees. 
And that is a, a art and science in and of itself to take a team that is really disengaged and move them into being a more engaged team. And that matters because this is a fundamental shift in thinking. Everybody wants to talk about EX as they call it. And again, we should be because how we treat our teams is fundamentally how they're going to treat the guests, the customers, the consumers that they serve. And that's how we win the battle for discretionary effort. If you think about it, everybody's got so much effort that they're going to give. Just enough effort. Everyone's got that where they're like, okay, this is just enough. And so the, the question becomes, how can you lead and inspire and motivate your teams to want to give beyond that? to want to give beyond the basics, to want to give beyond the minimum threshold for effort and go above and beyond for customers. And that's it's a powerful place to be. And, and the thing is, is it's easy to look at frontline associates and say, you know, these are, these are numbers on a page. It's easy to do that, especially in a big organization. But you have to remember, if you're going to say things like people are our most important asset, then they have to be your most important asset. You've got to make sure you're setting aside, you know, time and budget for training, for recognition, for development, and it can't just be for your frontline associates on the front line, although you really need to make sure you take care of them. I want you to also think about your mid-level managers. Especially if you have a large organization. I want you to really think about, you know, what are those area managers, those district managers? What are they going through? You know, the folks that are out there in a multi-unit role, they're not necessarily frontline leaders, they're not necessarily frontline associates, and they're somewhere between sort of the C-suite and the executive leadership and, and those frontline leaders. They're the ones that are so very important in distilling that message down. And sometimes they're caught between the devil and the deep blue sea when you really think about it because they're not quite a member of the executive team, they're not quite a frontline leader, but they have to sort of be the 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 folks that, that are the, the two tin cans in the string, if you will, between those layers of an organization, particularly if you work in a big business. So remember to take care of those people too because they are hypercritical to your overall success. Authenticity is a huge deal right now and has been for a minute. And, and customers really are divining rods for what is genuine and authentic. And they can tell it. They can tell what's authentic and what's canned and cookie cutter from a mile away. That's why when I, when I think about you know the, the steps of customer service or, or a service recovery model or your promises or how you may talk about suggestive selling or upselling or cross-selling, those have to be baked into your cake, right? Those have to be something that you talk about and that you train to, but that doesn't mean they have to sound like, you know, someone's reading them off of a, off of a paper. It doesn't have to sound like someone's following a script. You can get somebody scripted. You can give them the general topics, the way you want them to interact with a person, how you want them to smile and greet people and understand them and empathize with them. But then you also have to go the next step where you say, okay, you know this stuff cold. You know exactly what we want. You know the feeling we're trying to evoke. Now get out there and make it yours. Because when the team understands what these key behavioral moments are to, you know, to really provide great customer service, and then you, you train to them and they understand them and they know that they can make them their own, that is a great place for them to then just get out there and thrive. And, and, and you have to empower them. You have to make sure that you're trusting your team to make these key moves on their own. You have to encourage them, again, to let those personalities shine through, but to coach them in the spirit of what you're trying to accomplish. And then, you know, this also comes back into the, the thinking of it gets so much easier to do these things if you've selected the right team. When you got those right people in the right role at the right time, 
it makes it so much easier to train them on the basics and then set them loose and trust them and lead them and inspire them because you know you've got the right people inside of your organization. I want you to also think about how customers are looking for this exceptionally personalized experience, really this just for me feeling. Customers and consumers and guests, they don't want the same experience that they feel like the person in front of them just had. They want that consistent experience that feels thoughtful and just enough customization to make them feel special. At a visceral level, this is really what we all want. We all want to feel special. We all want to feel valued. And this is why, you know, really there's so much power in organizations such as Chick-fil-A that use your name as they're taking your order. It's just, it's one of the most personalized things there are out there is, is your name. And, and that's a great way to make people feel special. And, and personalization can also be about preferences. You know, I know that, for example, Amazon seems to know me better than anybody in my life when I dial in. And if you can get to know your customers, get to know your guests, you know, respecting their privacy all at the same time, that really does make them feel special and like they're getting these very personalized, very unique experiences. And that is a, a key differentiator out there. Whether you're, a, a, again, a coffee shop that, that collects somebody's name, whether you're a hotel property like Hilton that always knows when I come in whether I want the free breakfast or the points, that's how you can really set yourself apart. You don't have to ask. People just know what your preferences are. And I think that there's a lot to that. It's finding that way to make them feel like the experience they had was very special and was just for them. And that is as much emotion as it is science every single time you serve somebody. And really knowing their name, and understanding how important their time is, but being willing to give your time to them is a great way to make them feel special because nothing makes someone feel less special than when they feel like you have no time for them, when they feel rushed and, and it feels like you're just trying to get on to the next person or the next thing. And then finally, I want to talk for just a second about technology. Everybody loves to think about technology and it can be a differentiator as long as it works and as long as it's relevant. Customers are always looking for these innovative approaches and ways to solve problems for sure. I know I love asking Alexa and Google and YouTube for information and all that kind of stuff and it really is important, but you have to also remember that there's a catch to technology. Tech for tech's sake is a terrible thing. We've all seen organizations launch new pieces of technology just because a competitor did or because they feel like they needed to or they felt like they were looking for a piece of innovation. And, and it really is going to be important that it remains relevant. It has to work and it has to be something that makes your customer's life easier, not harder. So, you know, whether you're using chatbots, and don't get me wrong, I love chatbots. I love AI. I have a couple of programs that I use online where I get on whenever I have a question. The chatbots and the AI are pretty darn good at answering my questions. A lot of times when I'm working on website design and I have a question, the company I use has a great interactive chat that usually gets me what I need pretty easily. So if it works, it really can be a key differentiator. Or if you're using self-service kiosks or self-checkout, as long as they work and they're understandable and they really do make, make it an experience that is easier and not harder, you're going to find success there. I was just at Lowe's the other day and used their self-service checkout when I saw the lines at the at the the staffed cashier stations where it were a little bit longer than I would like. I just went right over to the self-service and was out in just a minute. And I didn't need any personalized service. Some of the folks who were waiting in line, they needed that personalized service or a discount or they had a question. Well, I didn't need that. I was just checking out with a couple of key items and a soda pop. So, you know, I scanned them and was on my way. So in that case, self-service really was, it was a sort of a lifesaver and a time saver for me. So ask yourself this question always when it comes to technology. Is this to make my life easier or to make my customer's life easier? And if it is not the second one, if it is not to make your customer's life easier, I want you to rethink that technology. 
because the tech has to be a value add, an add-on, a time saver, not something that simply makes it easier for you to avoid a human interaction. And if you've ever gone to a website and not been able to find somebody's phone number or an email address or a way to get a hold of them, that, that seemed purposeful to you, didn't it? It seemed like they were trying to hide from you, that they wanted it to make it so hard to get a hold of a live person that you would just use the self-service because you couldn't do anything else. Don't make it feel like that for your customers. So that's a, that's a really important piece. The other thing I want you to do is, is you know, I've got a, a couple of key questions. There are three questions that I want you to ask yourself this week. When you're, when you're really going out through your business, when you're thinking about what your next steps are, I want you to think about three things. One, do you know what your customers' wins are? When you look at these pieces we just talked about around tech and personalization and authenticity and, and experience, do you know exactly what your customers are looking for? If you don't, ask them. Look at your, look at your comment cards, go out and talk to your customers, talk to your frontline associates. Does your team know what to do if there's a breakdown in any one of these things or will they panic or, or is there truly a process by which they solve customer problems? And the third piece, have you looked at what it means to be a customer in your business? Have you walked along with a customer as they tried to navigate your service process? Have you called into your call center? Have you walked into your business? Have you taken a, you know, one of your managers or employees and walked around your organization, your business, your, your storefronts to see what it means to be a customer? And again, I re always recommend, you know, if you can get a customer or a client involved in this and go in and have that walkabout with them, they will tell you some powerful things, some friction points, some things that might make your service better that would really not just help them, but every other customer you serve. So everybody, please remember, we are still in the middle of the great service comeback as we are pushing to get the country reopened and serving well. You can go to Amazon.com and dial up my book, Together We Serve. If you want to learn more about any of these principles, you can just search Together We Serve by Tony Johnson. You can get it on ebook, you can get it on audiobook, you can get it on paperback, or you can visit igniteyourservice.com masterclass for that free online presentation I told you about. It is only 30 minutes long high value, and some great giveaways inside of that as well that you do not want to miss. So that's our show. And I really do appreciate everybody taking the time to tune in today because there is only one way to do this, and it's together. So when you keep your customers at the center of everything you do, that is where the most amazing things are possible. I've been Tony Johnson, your customer experience leader. Thanks again for tuning in, and I will talk to you next week. This has been Customer Service Academy Radio with Tony Johnson. Tony is available to speak at your event, meeting, or workshop. Have a powerful customer-focused day.